we exalt your holy name. Amen, amen. Man, as we are standing, we can go to the word of the Lord today. Revelation, the first chapter. Start reading in verse 12, Revelation 1 and 12. This is John speaking. Uh, and I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about with paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow. This is encouraging to me because as I uh, continue to find more and more white hairs, gray hairs, I'm encouraged because, hey, I'm just being like Jesus. God's molding me and shaping me into his image. Amen. One hair at a time. Amen. And so I'm not going to hide it. I'm going to be like, this is who I am. I'm being like him. Man, but many people will pick and choose. Well, I want to be like Jesus, but not like this and not like that. God, however it is, I want to be like you. Amen. Amen. And so uh, Brother Brad just turned 30, and I'm, you know, welcome. We're going to, we're going to, uh, you're going to be like Jesus, brother. God's going to make you in his image. Amen. And it's coming. Amen. And uh, his eyes were like uh, as a flame of fire. And his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, as if he was in a furnace. And his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his hand upon me, and saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. Amen. Of all things to say uh, at this encounter, he, Jesus says, Fear not, I am the first and the last. Amen. I want to preach today from this title, Amen, the first one. The first one. Turn to a few people, greet them in the name of Jesus as you are seated today. Amen. On July 20th, 1969, uh, Neil Armstrong and Apollo 11 lunar module pilot Buzz Aldrin became the first people to land on the moon. And the next day, they spent two and a half hours outside their spacecraft. Amen. While uh, Michael Collins remained in orbit, uh, keeping eyes on them. And we all know the saying, when uh, Armstrong first stepped on the moon's surface, he famously said, that is one small step for man and one giant leap for mankind. 
Amen. That was a worldwide event. They said as many as 530 million people were watching. Amen. Over 50 years ago. Amen. On uh, the TV. And because Neil Armstrong walked on the moon that day, now others have done it as well. But would they have been able to do it if Neil had not made that first step? If he had not been the first one there and to do that, uh, would they have been able to do it? And uh, Because as we know, things can become a little bit easier once somebody else goes first. Right? Years ago, uh, I hadn't had my driver's license very long. And you can already know where this is going. Uh, but there was a long line of traffic, and there I was, an impatient adolescent, uh, waiting in a long line of cars. And uh, I saw a car pull out and drive another way. And he was tired of waiting, and so there was no longer, he didn't have to wait anymore. And so I said to my young, wise self, what a great idea. And so I pulled out of the line, and I started headed towards freedom myself. Because, the, the, you know, your patience runs really thin in traffic lines, doesn't it? And so uh, there's nothing like seeing your freedom fly away. Uh, then with flashing red and blue lights in your rearview mirror, your freedom's gone, right? Uh, and so, uh, uh, so the deputy asked, what in the world was I doing? And I told him, well, I'm just following what the guy up there did, you know? I'm not bright, I'm just following, you know? Uh, and so uh, then he asked me, well... If everyone was jumping off a bridge, would you? And so I paused for a second, a long second, and I said, well, if there was water. <laughs> and uh, he didn't like that answer. I saw the steam just come out of his ears. But uh, thankfully, he had bigger problems that night, and I thank God he did too. Uh, than just some young, dumb adolescent with a driver's license. And so I, thankfully, sped off into my freedom uh, with just a, a mean officer uh, at, mad at me. Uh, and so uh, there are many times uh, that you and I want to be the first in line, uh, the first to do this or to be the first to do that because obviously with the first you get to have uh, bragging rights if you if you can, but... Uh, there are also times when nobody wants to be first. They are okay being second, like uh, jumping off in the water. Uh, I might be crazy enough to do it, but I'm surely not crazy enough to be the first one to do it. I'll tell you that. Uh, and so because I want to see somebody else go, and, uh, uh, and uh, then I'll think about going as long as they come out alive and not maimed or mangled and, and, and still in one piece, then I might uh, consider uh, going after they did, but I'm not going to be the first. Uh, and so there are certain situations uh, where we want somebody else to go first, and it is usually when the situation poses risk, 
or uncertainty or, uh, or danger. Uh, let somebody else go first, and I'll just kind of hang back here, and then once I see it's a little uh, safer, then I'll, I'll step out, and then I'll go and, do, uh, and I'll go and plunge off as well. There are professions out there that do such things, and we call them first responders. And thanks be to the first responders for all that they do. Uh, in emergency situations where things are not normal, uh, where they may be chaotic or risky or dangerous to uh, the average person and average uh, day, uh, we have people that are trained uh, for those situations. And they don't mind being the first ones in. They don't mind being the first to step into a dangerous situation. And we are grateful and thankful for each and every first responder who, who put their lives on the line every single day uh, to be there to help somebody else. And, and, and as you know, uh, a few weeks ago we found uh, our, our daughter Everly was having a seizure that morning. And obviously that wasn't normal. Uh, and so we were uh, uncertain as to what to do because it's never happened before. And, uh, and we are programmed in our mind and in our thinking that when you need help and when you are in danger to call the first responders and you dial 911. And it, it, we did that and it seemed like it took forever to, for them to get there because time just pauses when things are uh, are, are scary and, and, and uncertain, uh, but they showed up and they stepped right into that chaotic situation, and uh, they did. Uh, they knew what to do because they were trained to do that. But I'm going to go on record and say that uh, the firefighters and the paramedics—they were not the first responders there that morning. They were second to show up because Jesus was the first on the scene. I immediately called out to Jesus, and he was there right away. There's no wasted time trying to find the phone or dial the number or try to talk so, to somebody on the other line and, and try to ex calmly explain everything that's happening. No, Jesus already knows what is going on. He already knew the situation, and all I had to do was just speak his name, and he was there. There's nothing more comforting than to feel the presence of God in your life come down once you call upon his name and you feel his presence there, to feel his hands and his arms wrap around you. Because when trouble arises, we're going to call on Jesus first. When hardship comes, we're going to speak the name of Jesus when trial comes, we're going to call on his name. And when uncertainty comes, and when we don't know what to do, we call on the name of our Lord God, the name that is above every name, and we speak the name of Jesus, and there he will be there right with us. Amen. I'm thankful to know his name and know that he responds to when his child, children call, call out to him, aren't you? Uh, amen. And how many, how many biblical examples in the Bible do we find uh, people uh, stuck in their situation? They can't get out of it. They can't uh, do anything about it. They've tried everything, tried every known remedy or every doctor, and still nothing has changed. 
But then they hear about Jesus and that Jesus is coming their, their way and they run to him or they cry out to him or, or they reach out to him to try to touch him. And, and then all of a sudden their situation changes. Then their healing comes. Uh, then deliverance shows up and everything is changed all because Jesus was there for them and changed their situation around. I don't know about you, but I, I don't want Jesus to be last on my list. I don't want him to be last number that I call. He should not be the last responder, but Jesus should be the first responder. Even though he is the first and the last. And so let's move him to the front of the list and, and the top of the list and not let him be the last one to call or to reach out to. Even in uh, not just emergency situations, but in anything, we should go to Jesus first and ask him and to seek him, amen, what his counsel and his word might be and direction might be. Oftentimes, uh, we go to him last. You are, Jesus, you are the first and the last. Well, uh, I'm f I've tried everything else and you're the last one and sure enough, it, it works out better, right? And you would think we would learn uh, uh, to, to put him to the top of our list a whole lot more often, amen? Amen, at the, at the pool of Bethesda, an, an angel would come down and stir the waters. And the Bible says that the first one in the pool after the troubling of the waters would be made whole uh, of whatever disease or whatever sickness they had. It didn't, it didn't matter how bad it was. If they were the first one in, amen, they got healed and made whole and, and went home a, a new person. But there was no shortage of people that wanted to be first. In that situation, uh, there was a whole line of people fighting to be first. I, I can imagine uh, the fighting or the arguing or the shoving or the struggling to, to be that first one in the pool uh, to, to be healed. And, and all the while, there was a man there that was sitting there who wanted to be the first in the pool, but he, he never made it. He never made it in. He, uh, there is no, he was always second or last or whatever. There's, uh, in that situation, there is no silver medal for being second. Second is as good as last. Second is last. If you're not first, you're last. And, and so then once again, Jesus happened to show up one day, and I don't know uh, if he talked to everybody there, but John only recorded one conversation, one situation, one man's issue that day. And when Jesus went to the man who was always last, the man who was always overlooked and always forgotten, he was at the back uh, uh, of, of the corner uh, of the pool. Uh, and, and when that happens a few times, we, we can usually kind of, we kind of deal with it and maybe try to shrug it off. But when it happens all the time, year after year, you just, he, I can just see him just pretty much just kind of making his place all the way on the edge. He just, he kind of just gave up a little bit. I, oh, I'm never going to make it in the pool, so I'll just move my seat back a little bit, and I'll just take up camp over here in the shade. Uh, you get used to being feeling forgotten and uh, start to lose hope, and you're, you're, no, you're no longer on the sidelines fighting for first, but you're just kind of off in the back where you know you'll always be last and you'll always be second. 
And you just kind of accept the fact that way. And when Jesus asked him, why aren't you fighting for first? Why aren't you trying uh, to get in the pool? He said, well, I, I don't have somebody to help me, to help carry me in. And um, I, I find it interesting that this is the man that is recorded Jesus talking with. The one who felt lost. The one who felt forsaken and, and hopeless and that nobody knows about him anymore. He's just, uh, he's just become a part of the shadow. Uh, and there's nothing that anybody could do uh, to help his situation. Uh, but Jesus knew exactly where he was. And Jesus knew where he was and what his situation was. And he knew that this man could not be first in the pool. And so what did Jesus do? And he knew he couldn't be first. And so what did Jesus do? Jesus brought the pool to him. He brought the pool of living water to this man's uh, footstep. And he says, here is the living water that you can be first in. I know you can't be first over there, but hey, I'm going to bring it to you. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to find your healing, to find your miracle, to find your situation. Because I, I've got a way that will never run dry and you can be the first in it. I've got a river that will flow out of your belly and you can have access to it. And that man picked up his bed and walked and he was never the same because he took advantage of that opportunity. How many times have we tried to fix situations on our own and uh, we keep reaching and we can never find it? Uh, we cannot work out our own salvation. We can't, we can't buy our way into heaven. We can't do our deeds to get into heaven. But I'm so thankful that Jesus brought salvation to me where it was in reach of me where I can say, okay, Lord, I'm going to do it. I'm going to repent of my sins. I'm going to get in that water you talk about, be baptized in your name, in Jesus' name, and be filled with your spirit, I'm thankful that while we could not reach salvation on our own, that Jesus came to us and found us in our hopeless situation and said, hey, here I have salvation for you if you are willing to partake of it. And so I'm here to tell you that Jesus knows exactly where you are at, and he knows where what you need. doesn't matter how long you may feel forgotten or forsaken. He has come to find you and to give you rest and to bring you an opportunity to get in the living waters in your life. And so uh, we, we, this man waited around long enough he was last long enough. He was second long enough. Uh, and so that day he got to be first in his own little pool of a healing waters. And so why don't we be the first in today? Why don't we be the first one to step out and say, God, I've got a need here today and I'm not waiting for anybody else. Why don't you be the first one? Don't wait for the troubling of the waters. Don't wait for somebody else to move. You go ahead and you be first in your life. You be first today and you'll see what happens in your life don't wait for your neighbor to show up or don't wait for the song to start singing hey hey if you got a need you go right ahead and you find Jesus today you be first because we've been second long enough we've been dealing with this long enough the pain long enough let Jesus bring something to you and you be the first in your life because I'm gonna speak Jesus because I need him in in my life.
Amen. While people were fighting to be first at the pool of Bethesda and getting on that waiting list, a 37-year-long waiting list to be first, we thought we had it bad when we show up to a restaurant and we got to wait 20 minutes. This man was in line for 37 years and still no hope until Jesus showed up. There was other opportunities that uh, uh, there was uh, available, they were available to be first. There was plenty of opportunity for people to be first. That you didn't have to fight anybody. Uh, you didn't have to wrestle with them to be first in line. You didn't have to twist their arm and, and hold them back uh, as you reached to get in first. Uh, no, when it came to fighting Goliath, nobody wanted to be first. When it came to fighting the giant, nobody was in line to be first. Israel even dialed 911 and they got the busy tone. They didn't know what to do. They, uh, they just sat back in the shadows and they were hoping and praying like never before that somebody would be first because not a single one of them stepped out and said, I will be first. And uh, every single day, Goliath would come out and give somebody the opportunity to be the first one. And with that deal was the first one to win. Uh, the losing party would become the servants of the winning party. And even to sweeten this deal, King Saul offered money and wealth and even his daughter's hand in marriage to the one, the first one that would go out and defeat this, uh, this giant in their life. Uh, but still, nobody wanted to step out and be first. Maybe he wasn't offered enough money. Surely people will do crazy things for money. Or maybe if they had, uh, you know, uh, Instagram or Facebook Live there, maybe somebody would have done something. I don't know, something crazy. But nobody uh, wanted to step out and do anything and be first. But after 40 days or so, all of a sudden, a newcomer shows up on the scene. Uh, a little shepherd boy comes to deliver food to his big, bad tough older brothers, and he noticed uh, that they, his tough brothers, they were fighting to be last. At home, they're always fighting to be first, but here, everybody was fighting to be last, and, uh, uh, but David was not dismayed. He was not uh, fearful of this situation. He scanned what was going on, and it didn't upset him. He could have easily just said, hey, I'm out of here. Look at that guy. I'm out. I'm just bringing the Panera bread, and I'm out. Uh, and so he could have easily done that, uh, but he, uh, he did not. He, he stood around, and he observed what was going on. Um, and he obviously understood that there was a massive man out there in the valley, in the field, waiting for a challenger. Um, but while everyone else was afraid of giants, David had faced giants before. Goliath was not his first. Although Goliath was his first giant human, David had already fought a giant cat. And uh, I know normal cats are small, but a lion seems like a giant cat to me. 
And so I wouldn't be fighting, I wouldn't be the first to fight that giant cat. David also fought a, a giant teddy bear, and he killed the lion and he killed the bear. And so uh, those are giants to us. Uh, and so he came out alive, unscratched, and not maimed or not broken. And so David knew that this giant would not be any different. Even though he had a different name, even though he had a different form, he was still a giant to some degree. And David had already killed giants before. And so like them, Goliath too would fall like the rest. That's the mindset that he had. And Goliath laughed and mocked at Israel and said, this is who you send out to fight me. And... Um, uh, I'm a trained warrior, and, and you uh, sin first. The first one you sin is a young uh, shepherd boy. But you see, for 40 days, Israel was paralyzed with fear. They were already defeated in their own minds. And if you can become defeated in your mind, then you're already defeated. There's nothing that you're going to do uh, once you have your mind made up that this is it and this is the way it's going to be. There's no way out of it until you uh, renew your mind and transform, uh, be transformed by the renewing of your mind and cast off the, the carnal mind that is enmity with God and put on the mind of Christ and put on the helmet of salvation. Uh, the war is fought right between here, right between the eyes and ears. That's where the battle is won, right in your mind. And so I'm here to tell you that we are victorious. Victorious. We are. Uh, we have the victory, not because of who we are, but because of who He is. The name that we call upon, the name of Jesus, is greater than anything. And so we need to realize and remember who exactly we are. Even though we are flesh and blood, and we are frail, and and we can get broken, uh, we are the children of the Most High God, and we cannot forget that he will come and be there with us, that he will fight for his children, uh, and that's what the enemy wants us to forget uh, of, of the power that we have with God. So as long as we have those uh, thinking, that mindset, we'll always be a defeated mindset, mentality, but we got to cast down imaginations and and tear down every high thing that has exalted itself against the knowledge of God uh, because the knowledge of God is what is final. It's the word of God, and that's what is true. Uh, and so our mindset has to be aligned with the word of God. And so if anything in our life, in our mind or imagination, that is built up, uh, that does not align with the word, that needs to be cut down because that's hindering us. That's taking us away. That's distracting us or keeping us where we are, but I'm here to tell you that God wants you to have victory in your life today. He wants to bring you through your battle. He's going to help you defeat your giant, whatever name he has, Goliath or sickness or disease. It doesn't matter the name of the giant because Jesus is the name that is above all names, and that's who we're going to call upon in our life, in our prayer room, and whenever we need him, amen, he is there with us. And so they... They were paralyzed in their own minds and defeated, um, and so they were already afraid. And so they did not have the courage to step out because they were relying on their own strengths, relying on their own abilities, 
relying on their own talents, and they knew that whatever they had or whatever they did not have was no match for what the enemy had. Because the enemy had a bigger sword, a bigger shield, a bigger armor. He had bigger muscles. I mean, uh, whatever you want to compare, the enemy uh, had more of it, and he was stronger in every aspect and every way. That's why uh, we're not uh, discouraged by uh, bigger churches in this this city. Uh, We're not worried about the numbers. Why? Because we have the Spirit of God moving in our midst. Uh, We may not be able to match their budget or their money, but, hey, we've got the power from Almighty God flowing in our lives. He's filled us with his Spirit. Amen. And we are blessed beyond measure because we have access to the throne of God. Amen. And the power to run in through our lives. And so whatever Israel had, they were, they were outmatched compared to Goliath. And so Israel did not have the courage to step out because they could not see beyond themselves. They could not see beyond their strength, beyond their ability, beyond their, uh, their power. Uh, and so if we are only looking to our talents and to our abilities and our strengths to fight our enemies, we're always going to end up short. We're always going to be outnumbered. We're always going to be outmatched and we'll never step out because we uh, only see ourselves and how we fall short. Uh, but David knew. That it was not about his strength. It was not about his stature. Uh, It wasn't about his talents, but he knew. He saw beyond himself. It's not about me, but it's about what my God can do. And this Philistine is is defying the the, the God of Israel, and God's going to take him out as, as I'd seen and witnessed him. Help me take out other giants. And so he too will fall as the others had. And so that's why he said to to, uh, Goliath, you come at me with a sword and a shield. Things that we look to in battle. That's what we measure up and and our weapons are bigger than your weapons and more powerful than yours. That's how we, uh, our modern modern day we fight. But uh, he said, you come to me with a sword and a shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. I know that I'm physically, I'm just a shepherd boy and I can't defeat a, a mighty warrior giant, but I'm not coming to you as a shepherd boy. I'm coming to you as a servant of the most high God. I'm getting beyond myself. It's not about me. The battle is not about me, but the battle is the Lord's, and you are defying the name of the Lord, and so I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord. And David knew that Goliath could not defeat God. That's why he ran towards him. What crazy young kid runs towards a giant? David, because he knew uh, that God was there with him. Uh, Because we have to look beyond ourselves, beyond our strengths, beyond our weaknesses, and declare to our giants and declare to our problems, it's not by my might, it's not by my power, but it's by the Spirit of the Lord God that's going to do it, that I come to you in the name of the Lord, and if you do that, begin to watch your situation turn around. Because we get beyond ourselves and say, there's somebody else that can do a better job than me. And I'm not going to try to take this on myself because it's not, the battle is not mine. I'm just kind of in the middle of it all. David may have been 
the first man out there to fight Goliath. But David was not the first. David was actually the second on the battlefield because I believe that God was the first one out there. That God beat David out on the battlefield, and, and David knew this. That's why he said, I'll go. I'll go. It may look like I'm the first, but I'm actually the second. Somebody else has already went ahead of me, and I know how it's going to work out. And so, sure, if somebody else goes first, then I'll go second. And so God went first, and so David said, hey, I'll go right after God because I know how this is going to work out. Even though it might look to you all that I'm the first out there, I'm really not. I'm the second. God is the first because uh, God has already went out there and made a way for me. I am just the second one. I'm just following him uh, because David remembered in Sunday school this passage, Deuteronomy 1 and 28. It says, whither shall we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our heart saying the people is greater and taller than we. That kind of sounds like Israel that day facing Goliath, right? The cities are great and walled up to heaven, and moreover we have seen the sons of Anakims there, giants. And then I said unto you, dread not, fear not, neither be afraid of them. Why? Because the Lord your God, which goeth before you, he shall fight for you according to all that he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. And so I'm here to tell you today that God goes before us and he fights for his people. He's already out there beating up the enemy. He's already out there working on them even before we get there. He's wearing them down so that when we arrive, we just release our little stone of faith. It's just this little thing. It doesn't do much. But with God, all things are possible. And God just wants to use our faith. He just wants somebody to just step out and say, okay, God, I know you've gone ahead. I know you've made a way. I'm just here to release a stone. I'm just here to release a seed. So to release some faith in a situation and let God do a miracle and work something out to deliver the final knockout punch. God wants to use us, even though it may seem like what, when we stepped on the scene, the enemy uh, was defeated and disappeared, but we know it's because of God's power, and he wants us to give him glory. Because many times we show up to the scene and we think, oh, we're going to take it. We're going to handle it our way and we'll do it what we can. But we realize uh, we are outmatched and outnumbered because uh, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And so it uh, doesn't matter how often you go to the gym, those muscles are not going to work in the spiritual battle. But we can call upon the name of the Lord and we can go to them with God as God goes first. Hey, I'll step out in faith, I'll go second, I'll follow God wherever he is leading. And so the very, the very act of calling where God calls somebody, or he went up to the disciples and uh, as they were fisher, fishing, out fishing, and he says, come follow me, put your nets down, come follow me. He was calling them, and, and we know that everybody that 
that comes uh, comes must be drawn of the Spirit, and uh, and so we all have a calling on our life. God is calling each and every single one of us, and uh, to follow Him and to leave behind the things of this world and follow after Him. And so we are being called. And just think about it. If I if I'm going to call you to come to me, I'm already here, and you're way over there. And so when I'm calling for you, uh, you're not the first one up here. I'm already here, and I'm calling to you. And so God is already where uh, he's calling you to be. And so we're not the first ones. We think we're the first ones to step out and say, oh, God, I'm the only one out here. No, God is already there. That's why he's calling you to be where he is. He's already looked around the situation. Everything looks fine. Now I'm going to call you to come. Come on, just trust in me. Just step out in faith and believe that, hey, God has already made a way for me. God, you're ordering my steps. Why? Because you're already there and you're calling for me to come. I mean, if I want you to go over there, I yell at you to go over there. But if I'm calling you, a call is to come this way, right? You can't get here before me because I'm the one calling you. Uh, And so God is calling us uh, to where he is. He's calling us through the situation, through the storm. Uh, But we think that we are there uh, all alone Um, that we have to figure out and we have to face this uncertainty all by ourselves uh, because many times we've never been in this before. We've never been in a situation like this, and so we think that we are the first one here. Where we're the first in this uncertain situation, and we don't know, and and we we don't want to be the first in a situation like that. We want to be the first in line to, you know, win free money and, and whatever. Free food and, you know, be the first one to get dibs on the bread back there. But in, in, in hardship and in, in, in trials and tribulations, we don't want to be first. And maybe that's why uh, sometimes we get paralyzed and, and not taking a step forward because we think we're there all by ourselves. No, Jesus is already in there. He's already, maybe he's already on the other side. He's made a way to pass through the storm, and he's calling for us to come unto him uh, because he is the first one in there. He is the first and the last. So he's already the first in your situation. We just have to follow him through by faith. And so God goes before us and he fights for us. He just wants us to be there to use our, just our little mustard seed of faith in order to strengthen our belief and our faith and and to grow stronger in him and to see just how great our God is. Um, He doesn't need our strength and our ability. He just needs our faith. Uh, and so he'll go before us and call for us to come through. And, and once David killed Goliath, once he stepped out first or second, if you will, but he was the first one that they, Israel saw kill Goliath. And then what happened? All of a sudden, people were not afraid of giants anymore. It's amazing what happens when somebody goes first, and, and we'll, we'll go out and, and, and show the way, uh, because uh, uh, when somebody goes first, I'll happily go second. You kill Goliath, I'll, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll go and kill his brother. And that's exactly what happened, because somebody else went first, 
Um, and if somebody kills that giant, then I will have the confidence to kill another one. And what does the Bible say? That Goliath's brothers, they went down one by one by David's men because they knew that he killed a giant. He went first in their eyes and they say, okay, then I'll go first. They're not as bad as they seem. They're not as tough as they seem because we're going to come at them in the name of the Lord. All because somebody else went first. And I'm here to tell you that God is first in your life and he is first in your situation so that we don't need to fear. Fear not for I am the first and the last. I'm already there. I'm already at the destination. I'm just here trying to get you to where I am and so we don't need to fear or be afraid. Musicians, if you would come. Our text, Revelation 1 and 14, his head and his hairs were white like wool white as snow. His eyes were as a flame of fire and his feet like undefined brass as if they burned in a furnace. His voice is the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars out of his mouth when a sharp two-edged sword in his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet dead, and then he laid his hand upon me, right hand upon me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last. Of, of all that he's seen, John's seen so far and heard, and yet this is the response. Fear not, I am the first and the last. Don't be afraid. Don't fear. I am the first and the last. You don't need to worry about going first, because I'll go first. You don't need to be bound up with fear and uncertainty about stepping out because somebody else has already stepped out in front of you, and that is God. He's already made a way. You just need to follow him, and he's going to lead the way. The one whose feet is like fine brass, that is who is going first. Not you, not me, but God is going first. His feet are, are like fine brass. As if they were burned in a furnace. It's almost like that description is telling us a place that God has already been first. His feet have been in a furnace, like they've been in a furnace. Why would God be described as that, as if he was walking around in a furnace? Well, as you know, some of God's servants were thrown into a furnace, right? Because they would not bow. Daniel 3 and 6, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us out uh, uh, from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if it not be, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which has set up, uh, thou hast set up. And so we are going to live for God no matter what. That's what they're telling him. 
no matter what, we are going to live for God. No matter the outcome, we are still going to stand on our faith and hold true to the word of God. No matter the pressure that you are trying to put onto us, we are not going to bow. We are going to keep standing strong. No matter what happens to us, we are not going to forsake our righteousness and, and holiness, that we are going to live for God in this world. That is what they were saying. And after hearing this, verse 19 tells us King Nebuchadnezzar's response kind of like that uh, sheriff I mentioned earlier. Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury. And the form of his visage uh, was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. And therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it won't be heated. And so the furnace was already hot. As you can imagine, it was already uh, uncomfortable, unbearable, uh, and the king declared, let's go ahead and turn up the heat. Crank it up seven times hotter than it's ever been before. We are going to make sure that these boys really burn. And I'm sure that they felt the heat before he turned it on. I mean, you know heat. Heat travels. You feel it. And... Uh, uh, but now, seven times hotter, you can only imagine how much heat they really felt. I don't know how close they were uh, at this time, but uh, they knew it was hot, and they probably heard some screams of, of people getting burned from the coals and all that stuff, trying to throw it in there. But uh, they could really feel the heat. Now, if they were not sweating, I'm sure that they probably were sweating now just a little bit. The heat is turned up. And the pressure is turned up, and the mocking is turned up, and the persecution is turned up, and uh, the question still goes out, will you stand for God? Will you still not bow to our gods and to uh, the gods that we worship and to embrace our, our way of living? Will you forsake your ways and forsake your holy, righteous living and give in to our demands and our way of life? But they would not give in. He said, no matter what happens, we know that our God will, is able to deliver us out of the furnace and out of, the, out of your hand. But even if he doesn't, even if we die in that furnace, know this, O king, we're never going to bow to you because we serve a God that is greater than you, that is greater than any problem, any God that you may build up. We call upon the name of the most high God and let it be known we will never bow and we will not give in. Even with our very lives, we're going to make a stand for you. You stand with me today. I don't know if you have felt it, but the heat of this world has turned up. Stephen, over the weekend, fires have been turned up. The trial of our faith has been heated up. The furnace for our faith has been turned up. And the same question goes out to us. Will we give in? Will we continue to stand for God, stand for righteousness, stand for the word of God? Or will we
we give in to the pressure, when we cave into the demands and the persecution that may come, will we make a stand in our trial and our situation for God? And know this, that when we make a stand for God, we don't stand by ourselves. That God is there with us. And actually, God is there before we get there. As we see in Daniel uh, 3.22, Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent, the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. If the furnace was so hot that it killed the guards on the outside, just just throwing them in, they died. How Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego should have died right there with them, right? How can it kill one man and not another man who's staying in the same spot? The heat is so strong and so hot it kills one, but it doesn't kill the other. Why did they not die when the guards died? Because God was already in there. God was already in there waiting for them. Verse 24, then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, was astonished. He rose up in haste and he spake and he said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered and they said unto the king, True, O king. And he answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. I'm here to tell you that God was already in the fire. He was already waiting in the furnace, waiting for the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to go in, because he goes first. He is the first and the last. That is why he tells us, fear not. I'm already first. You're not going to beat me into the furnace. I'll be there in there with you. I'll be in the fire with you. I'll be in the burning with you. And I'll make sure your, your skin is not touched. I'll make sure you'll come out alive because you stand for me. I will stand for you. And that is a call for each and every one of us today is to make a stand for God in our faith, in our walk, and now know that we'll never be first because we'll always be second because God is going before us and he is fighting for us. Many times we can't see him, but we have to know that he's already there because that's where he's calling me to. He's calling me to go through this. Somehow this situation arrived, and I don't know where it came from, but hey, I know it had to pass through the hands of God to get to me first because God's always before me. He's always ahead of me. He's always five steps ahead or ten. He's always going ahead and turn around and say, come, come with me. Will you take another step of faith? Will you step out and believe that, hey, I've got something for you today? God has a calling for each and every one of us, and he's calling you to go where he is. I don't know where that is specifically in your life, but he's already where you're trying to go. 
You just need to listen to the voice of God and, and walk by faith and not by sight. Sometimes you just got to close your eyes and just begin to walk in by faith and say, God, I don't know where I'm going, but I already know you're there. I can feel you up there calling ahead. Does anybody want to be first to step out? Does anyone want to come to the altar today and say, God, I've got situations in my life. I've got uncertainty. I got doubt and I may be a little fearful, but hey, I know you're here today. Will you come? Will you bring your problems today? Will you be first to step out and say, hey, I'm not worried about my neighbor today. I've got a situation that I need to go meet Jesus with. Come on, will you come out? Will you bring your trials? Will you bring your hurt, your pain? Bring your uncertainty and doubt. Come on, bring them here. He's here today. He's calling you up. Come on, will you come? Will you come and worship? Come and fall at his feet today. He'll bring it to you. If you can't reach him, he'll bring the pool to you. But just to be first today, come on, don't be afraid to step out. What is it that you need? You need to be baptized in that healing water. We can do that today. Come on, let's step out in faith. Come on, he's already here. And he goes
God, you're thankful that he goes first, that we are not alone in this. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Let's all reach and pray for Brother Barker. He's going into surgery this week, but we know God's going to go ahead. God's going to beat him there in the operating room. Hallelujah, in the name of Jesus. We thank you, God, for what you're going to do. We know that you're already making a way for our brother, God, that you touch his knee, touch the hand of the surgeons, God, that you're going to make a way. Amen. Comfort and strengthen them. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. We are encouraged, amen, to know that we're not alone. We know, nobody ever wants to be alone. But know that God is there with us and he's gone before us. It changes our mentality, our mindset that, hey, I can, I can be second. I can follow God. That's a good follow, right? Amen. We'll follow crazy friends doing dumb, dumb stuff. But why don't we just follow God? Amen. And he'll make the way. Amen. And we'll get to see him do great things in our life. Amen. We can go out and reach the world and make a stand. Amen. For God and this, uh, the word of God. Amen. And we'll have victory. Yep. And we have uh, coming up uh, July 7th at 630. We're having our annual business meeting here at the church at 630. Amen. So we want to remind you about that. Amen. And family camp coming up. Amen. We love each other.